there, friends, and welcome back to the Chronicles of a Happy Camper. I'm Amy Camp, and I'm excited to share with you some of my, my experiences on this eventful journey called life. Today's episode 13 is entitled Bridge Over Troubled Water. I've been thinking a little bit about water as the season of the summer has just ended and we're going into autumn, which is my favorite season. We'll get to that later. But I had closed my pool and I have my pool is open from about May to the 1st of October. So it's about five months and the maintenance of this water is really an interesting uh, metaphor. I... (laughs) It's a process, really, of of maintaining such a large amount, 25,000 gallons of water, right, that you swim in and need to keep clean and clear. And and I thought back on when the the desire for even having a pool started. I was was a young girl, probably nine or 10 years old, and I would have these little visits with my dad. And he, he was really big on taking a lot of journals and notes about visits he had with with us as his children and it was it was lovely that he wrote writ, he'd read read back into one of his journals and he was uh, had written in some years back and uh he said very clearly in one of those visits that I had with him that I always wanted to have my own pool and I thought that was really funny so after I was um married and had three children and I had one particular home that had this this yard that I'm like, I want to put a pool in this yard. So we physically did. We dug the hole and we put this pool in and it took some time and effort. And once we got that pool set and it was just so beautiful and pristine, then the work began. You know, you think the work would have been putting the pool in, right? But it was a, it's a daily effort to keep water clean, clear, free of debris, you know, balanced and having those chemicals and the temperature outside that affects the balance of the water. And, you know, if more people come over and you have more bodies in the water, you're putting more chemicals in to keep that pH balance and alkalinity and everything, you know, clear, more chlorine to keep it more um, purified. So I think the first year we had that pool, it was it was pretty fun. It was pretty exciting. I just had to keep pinching myself. Like, I have my own pool. I actually have my own pool. The second year was not as fun. Uh, I noticed that also my kids got in it less. And then by the third year I had that pool, I was really glad when we'd finally decided to move and we could wash our hands of that pool. So it's kind of an irony sometimes, you know, be careful for what you wish for, right? In life, it's so like that. And the reality that overseeds the desire or the fantasy of what you want something to be, it, it kind of hits you full force. And so I, I remember thinking to myself, I will never have another pool unless I can, I can financially afford to pay someone to maintain this pool for me. Because I felt like I was always the person having to go out and skim it and scoop it and balance it and do all of that. And then by the time I'd get into the water, I was kind of exasperated, right? Or then I I had to make sure to do the timing right to get into that water because, you know, if I'd done my hair already and my makeup and I'd already run errands and, oh, I don't want to get into the pool because, you know, the inconvenience of having to redo that every, you know, twice a day or what have you. So um, there's a lot of funny little things that I, my my mind would process through with with pool and water and the effort of, of maintaining this pool and using the pool. So... I I kind of was glad when I got to walk away from this pool and the maintenance of this water. And 
fast forward, I then wound up moving uh, in 2020 to 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 West Tennessee. And this particular home was in a state cell and there was a pool in the backyard. (laughs) And and it was such a great house on such a great piece of property. And the pool really did sit so beautifully and nicely and picturesque in the backyard and in his photos. And I thought, well, I can do this. So I, I bought this house with this huge pool in the backyard. And uh, the effort <laughs> of maintaining the water, it, it became real once again. <laughs> and it wasn't, it was so delightful when it was crystal clear. But this, let me tell you the, the environment of this particular pool. It sits underneath, I don't know, just all of these trees. I live on three acres of just trees. You know, got oak trees and cedar trees and hickory trees and and um, dogwood trees and I'm just all sorts of trees that are just completely encompassed and they had overgrown. And so you, you would literally float in, you know, you could literally float in my pool and look up into the sky and you see half sky and you see half leaves over you. And it is quite a unique situation to be able to swim in this environment, to be able to, um, yeah, have this experience to be in water, but look up and have this kind of encapsulation feeling uh, that's a canopy around you by all these amazing trees in this blue sky. So that that's the, that's the fantasy, <laughs> right? The beautiful picture that's being created is that, oh, amazing pool. But the reality is that before I ever can get in that water, I feel I must, you know, and it looks obsessive to other people, but I feel I must skim the bottom and wash and clear it all of the leaves and the bugs and, you know, open up the the skimmer and and dump out whatever is in there and save the lives of a few frogs or a snake or a turtle or, you know, a little critter that's been in there. And sometimes it's something you didn't want to have to fish out like a rat, you know, Um, or, or a big spider that was always kind of crawling along the top of the water. So uh, the process uh, found myself in my mind every single time, I would say every single time (laughs) I go out there, I think, about the effort that it would take to clear, to clean this water, keep this water clean and to, to take care of and manage and maintain water so that it's clear and pure and um, free of debris and free of like seeing it be cloudy. Right. And I cannot help every single morning. I'd go out there, do the same process every morning. There was not a morning that would go by that I would not do this, you know, for five months. It's just, it's a responsibility that you have with maintaining water. And I, every single morning I would think about the metaphor of, wow, you know, it's interesting, the process that it takes to keep water clean under all of these trees and in this environment and free of everything and and keep it balanced and to keep it so that it feels clean enough to swim in and so that you're not kind of going, ew, icky, you know? And I love the fact that I really didn't have to share it with anyone as well. I mean, you know, I, I won't deny it. I've sw- I've skimming dipped in that pool more than a couple handfuls of times because it was just so free and liberating and very private in the environment. And it was, it was an interesting experience, especially in the evening, you know, not water, but, but I always thought about the metaphor of keeping that water clean and clear and how that felt like in my own life. Every time I would be skimming it out and scooping it out, and I'd say, "Okay, Amy, what do you need? What do you need to pass 
what do you need to pass today to make sure that you're clean and clear and fresh and that you can move forward, right? With this, um, this feeling that you're free of the, the stuff that you don't want in your, in your body or your water or your mind or your energy. And <laughs> I would process this as I was scooping and skimming the water and think about, wow, this really takes effort to stay free and clear and to let things go and to work on a balance, you know, the balancing of water alone. You test the water, you see what it's lacking, you see where it's high in something or low in something, and what do I need to add to it? And then, of course, the, the investment that you make in keeping that free and clear. You know, folks that go and go to the gym regularly or they work on eating a certain type of a diet so that they can keep their body, you know, in a, in the, working more at a higher higher um, level of maintain, maintenance in your body and has the better outcome because you take better care of it, right? So the outcome of clarifying this water and the process of that, wow, I can just tell you that if you really think about it, it's it's quite an effort. And so I think that each one of us would benefit. I know I've benefited in my path, you know, as this happy camper in order to stay happy and, and healthy and mentally clear and, and balanced as, as a person. I have to, I have to keep getting out the junk, you know, I have to keep weeding out stuff that no longer serves me or that never did. And it got into the water and it started making me dirty and it started making me feel unworthy or it started making me feel, um, like I wanted to avoid something, right? No, I don't want to get in there. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with this. I just want to put the cover on and not, not deal with that, with that circumstance. And so there's a lot of things about me personally that I would say I've learned from this process of clarifying water and the purification, right? The purification of oneself is also to me the same as a metaphor of the purification of water. Um, there's so many different uh, thoughts and ideas that I have about about this clarification, purification of of ourselves as as individuals and of, of that that metaphor of the water and I. I couldn't help but think about two different examples and stories of people that didn't give up trying, I guess, or um, people when, when we when we go through things, how we, how we become examples, right? We're kind of like authors of our own life and we have so much to do with the outcome of what we choose in our lives. But how many times do we really think about how our example and the choices we're making are influencing other people? And the choices that we're making to participate in this process together and realizing that the example that we're doing to improve ourselves is also influencing another. I'm going to to share a brief story that I'm actually going to kind of read because it was written so well by this individual that told the story originally. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Everybody knows the iconic Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel song. But do you know the amazing story behind the first line of The Sounds of Silence? It began when Arthur Art Garfunkel, a Jewish kid from Queens, New York, enrolled in Columbia University. During freshman orientation, Art met a student from Buffalo, New York, named Sandy Greenberg, and they were immediately bonded over their shared passion for literature and music. Art and Sandy became roommates and best friends. With the idealism of youth, they promised to be there for each other no matter what. Soon after starting college, Sandy was struck by tragedy. 
His vision became blurry, and although doctors diagnosed it as a temporary conjunctivitis, the problem grew worse. Finally, after seeing a specialist, Sandy received the devastating news that severe glaucoma was destroying his optic nerves. The young man with such a bright future would soon be completely blind. Sandy was devastated, and he did fall into a deep depression. He gave up his dream of becoming a lawyer and moved back to Buffalo, where he worried about being a burden to his fi- and financial struggling family. Consumed with shame and fear, Sandy cut off contacts with his old friends, refusing to answer letters or return phone calls. Then, suddenly, to Sandy's shock, his buddy Art showed up at the front door. He was not going to allow his best friend to give up on life, and so he bought a ticket and flew to Buffalo unannounced. Art convinced Sandy to give college another go and promised that he would be right by his side to make sure he didn't fall, literally or figuratively. Art kept his promise, faithfully escorting Sandy around campus and effectively serving as his eyes. It was important to Art that even though Sandy had been plunged into a world of darkness, he should never feel alone. Art actually started calling him Darkness. To de- demonstrate his empathy with his friend, he said things like, Darkness is going to read to you now. Art organized his life around helping Sandy. One day, Art was giving Sandy through crowded Grand Central Station when he was guiding him, sorry, when he suddenly said he had to go and left his friend alone and petrified. Sandy stumbled, bumped into people, and fell, cutting a gash in his shin. After a couple of hellish, couple of hellish hours, Sandy finally got on the right subway train. After exiting the station at 116th Street, Sandy bumped into someone who quickly apologized and Sandy immediately recognized Art's voice. Turned out his trusty friend had followed him the whole way home, making sure that he was safe in giving him the priceless gift of independence. Sandy later said, That moment was the spark that caused me to live a completely different life, without fear, without doubt. For that, I am tremendously grateful to my dear friend, Art. Sandy graduated from Columbia University and then earned graduate degrees at Harvard and Oxford. He married his high school sweetheart and became an extremely successful entrepreneur and philanthropist. While at Oxford, Sandy got a call from Art. This time, Art was the one who needed help. He formed a folk rock duo with his high school pal, Paul Simon, and they desperately needed $400 to record their first album. Sandy and his wife, Sue, had literally $404 in their bank account, but without hesitation, Sandy gave his old friend what he needed. Art and Paul's first album was not a success, but one of the songs was The Sounds of Silence. It became a number one hit a year later. The opening line echoed the way Sandy always greeted Art. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. We all know the song. It's brilliant. Simon and Garfunkel went on to become one of the most beloved musical acts in history. The two Columbia graduates, each of whom has added so much to the world in his own way, are still best friends today. Art Goffrunkel said that when he became friends with Sandy, my real life emerged. I became a better guy in my own eyes and began to see who I was, somebody who gives to a friend. Sandy described himself as the luckiest man on earth. This was a book written by Sandy Greenberg in his memoirs, Hello Darkness, My Old Friend. I mean, it's an amazing story, but I thought about that many ways and also about the, the process of how we clarify and purify ourselves by 
I guess facing things that we need to be in our lives, deciding and choosing to be there for somebody like that, and um, letting that kind of change us as a person, because that's really what it did for Art as he sacrificed for himself. It changed him, and it really was some a choice that he made. So I want to um, touch on the last uh, song or process of of talking about Paul Simon for a minute, and then I'll conclude. Uh, Paul Simon, um, interestingly enough, was also really good friends with um, with uh, Art Garfunkel as a child. As a child, not so um, Sandy and Art knew each other at college, but Paul and Art Go- Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel met as, as young kids. Um, Paul Simon was inspired by an old Southern 1959 song by Swain Silverstone's on Oh Mary, Don't You Weep. Oh Mary, Don't You Weep. Martha, Don't You Moan. You may know that song. And so this particular song that I will, that I will end with is, is about that particular writing that Paul Simon had written, uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water. He wrote it very quickly because of this inspiration. He's, the song became... Simon and Garfunkel's biggest hit in 1970, earning them five Grammy Awards in 1971, including Song of the Year and Record of the Year. Though Simon wrote the song, he insisted that Art Garfunkel sing it. That was probably a uh, sacrifice, too, that Simon made because he looks back on it and I think he wishes he would have sung the song and made it famous, but Art did a brilliant job with it. The line, like a bridge over troubled water, is a metaphor for someone living through a trying time in their life, and I will lay me down, references the sacrifices and the perseverance as they find a way through the difficulty. So Simon, uh, Paul Simon was born in Newark, New Jersey, and he grew up in Queens, New York, as as also it stated that Art Garfunkel had. And um, in 1956, when they were both early teens, they met each other and became quick, fast friends. And after graduating from Forest Hills High School, Simon majored in English. So that comes back as well, which makes it makes sense because Simon was such a brilliant and still is through the years, such a brilliant um, lyricist. Right. And he wrote a lot from poetry and that found fundamentals of English. Um, So we graduated in Queens College in 1963 while Gall Frankel studied as well at Columbia in Manhattan. In early 1964, Simon and Garfunkel auditioned for Columbia Records whose executive Clive Davis, very famous um, producer, signed them to produce an album. Columbia decided that the two would be called Simon and Garfunkel at that time. Uh, In 1970, Simon taught songwriting at New York University. So he didn't just learn it and do something he was passionate about. He also felt that he should also pay it forward and share it with others, what what he felt his talent was. So this was kind of, again, this kind of developmental as a person in this kind of building himself by breaking himself down and doing things that were more simple. Both of of Paul Simon's parents were uh, also teachers and educators. He said that he wanted to teach for a while and he taught songwriting at New York University. He helped to help people avoid some of the mistakes he had made. He said, you can teach somebody about writing songs, but you can't teach someone how to write a song. I don't think. But I'd go to a course of the Beatles if they would talk about how they made records because I'm sure I could learn something there. So writers definitely inspire other writers and performers. Throughout the past 50 years, everyone from 
Willie Nelson, to Elvis Presley, to the Jackson Five, to Peggy Lee, to the Supremes, to Roberta Flack, to Mary J. Blige, to Andrea Bocelli, to Johnny Cash, and to even Aretha Franklin had had recovered had recorded this particular song, Bridge Over Troubled Water. I wanted to sing and conclude with Bridge Over Troubled Water because of the metaphor of me sharing and talking about water and how no matter what that this this wonderful beautiful metaphor is is that it we we keep flowing in life as we keep allowing ourselves to progress and finding meaning and purpose in our lives and i know that as i do that i also see myself becoming more uh things becoming more clear like the water that gets clear, cleared out and clarified things become more clear to my purpose in life and i'm happier because i feel like that I'm flowing in life and I'm making progress. And that to me is why I'm, I'm living, is, is for progress. When you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, I will dry them all. I'm on your side. Oh, and times get rough. And friends just can't be found. Like a bridge over troubled water. I will lay me down. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. When you're down and out, when you're on the street, when evening falls so hard, I will comfort you, I'll take your part, oh, and darkness comes, and pain is all around, like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down like a bridge over troubled water. I will lay me down. Sail on, silver girl, sail on by. Your time has come to shine all your dreams along the way see how they shine oh when you need a friend i'm sailing right behind like a bridge over troubled water i will ease your mind like a bridge over troubled water 
amazing song. It has an amazing message to it. And that troubled water and the peace within us sometimes feels a little troubled. But as we keep working and moving forward and trying to just reconnect with self and finding the things that make us the most happy and help us to be the most at peace. And sometimes it's just like Art reaching out and being there for his friend or Paul deciding to go back and teach music and literature at a univer- at New York University. Um, whatever it is where you can give of yourself, I know that it helps the process to help us connect with ourselves. So, But, you know, until next time, my friends, get busy living and go be the first-rate you, boo. Ta!